You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Proverbs chapter 17 tonight, just preaching on... um... Uh, just some couple general subjects probably tonight and next week as well, maybe a part one and part two kind of a thing. Proverbs 17, and uh, I know you just sat down and got comfortable. Let's stand and read this verse here. Proverbs 17, verse 22 is where we'll be. And again, thank you for being out tonight. Look forward to, uh, uh, to hearing from the Lord tonight on a subject that I think is very practical and it may seem unimportant, but you look around in our culture and you realize, I think this is probably something that we need to hear. Uh, Proverbs 17, verse 22, it says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Let's read that together. Proverbs 17, 22, ready, begin. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Thank you for standing for the reading. You can be seated. That word Mary stood out to me because of the time of year that we're in. Merry Christmas. You hear that all the time. And uh, Merry Christmas, I don't think it's a bad thing to to use it. It's a pretty secularized thought or phrase these days. but, But I don't think it's a bad thing to use it. It's just, when I think of the word Mary and I think of something biblical... Really, more than Merry Christmas, we're supposed to have a merry heart. And I, had, I read a hilarious story this week. Again, like I said, I must be in a good mood because I'm, I'm, got, I'm laughing about lots of stuff tonight. But I, I read a hilarious story on Fox News this week about a woman at a gas station in Florida. And maybe, you've, maybe you heard about this. But she was really feeling the Christmas spirit. Her name is Catherine Backstrom. And she had just read this article about how generous people are around the holidays. And she, she wanted to get in on the Christmas magic. So that's what she said. So she went into this gas station and, to, and got a drink. And while she was there, she noticed that the woman behind her uh, was buying a, a ginger ale or, or some kind of a drink. And, and so she decided to get in on the, the Christmas magic. So... She uh, turned around and said, I would like to pay for your drink. And the woman said, well, why are you doing that? And she said, well, you know, it's the time, that time of year, and I, I want to get, get in on the spirit, and, and so I'll pay, I want to pay for your drink. And, of course, the woman said, I appreciate that. Thank you for doing that. And so she walked out of the gas station feeling very good about what she had just done. Well, as she walked out um, after paying and, and leaving, she, something really took her by surprise. She got into the, the parking lot, and she looked at her vehicle, and there's a man washing her car's windshield. So she's thinking, wow, I mean, the Christmas magic really comes back right away, doesn't it? I mean, I just paid for this woman's drink, and now there's a man out here, and he's washing my car windshield, and, and she was just happy. So she literally walked up to this stranger that's out there washing her windshield, and she, a stranger... Remember, she walked right up to him and gave him a big hug. And she said, this is my favorite, this is a quote, this is my favorite part of humanity. I love Christmas so much. Thank you for doing this. The man looked at her, of course, very strangely and, 
and didn't say much. And she was a little confused that he wouldn't respond until she looked down and realized that it wasn't her car. He was washing his own windshield. So she was so embarrassed that she walked to her car without saying a word and drove away. So I saw a video of her telling about this experience. And, and she, for I don't know how long it is, a few minutes, she could hardly contain herself. She was laughing so much. Just laughing and she was so embarrassed. She said, I'm out here sh- hugging strangers at the gas station because the magic of Christmas is so powerful And you really couldn't help but laugh at her, um, laughing at herself. And the whole story made me laugh. I was giggling about it too. And, and you know, it's not wrong to enjoy life. Thank you, Brother Chad. It's not wrong to enjoy life. You know, just last week I was out here and uh, for the the singles had an activity and and they were out here and um, I was giving a devotion at the activity and and I came out, and they're just laughing and talking with each other and having a grand old time. And, and that just makes me happy. It makes me happy to hear God's people enjoying one another. We, we, we got over here, and, and the girls were challenging the guys to this, this certain, uh, well, it's a cha- like the pick up a chair challenge. I don't know if you've seen this, where, you know, you have to, I'm not going to demonstrate it, but you have to. You lean against the wall with your head and you have to pick up a chair and stand up. And apparently only girls can do it because the guys weren't able to do it. And so it was hilarious. We were just laughing at this. And um, if you want to see how guys can't do it, ask Brother Juan to show you how guys can't do it. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. Um, and so we were just laughing and I was just sitting there as we were doing it. And I was just enjoying it. Because I think when God's people get together, there ought to be a good time. There ought to be some laughter. There ought to be some joy. There ought to be some, uh, just some enjoyment of each other. Uh, we went home, even, and not just in a church setting, I mean in a family setting. When you, you and your family are together, there should be joy and laughter and fun. We went home uh, the next night, I think, and, and we were, the girls were talking about this challenge and and so we were all trying it, and we were just laughing and laughing, and mostly at Caitlin, um, because Caitlin couldn't do it, and, and we were laughing, and, and uh, it was just funny. You know, it's fun. We, uh, in our family, we have certain things, we have certain things that have happened in our family, certain memories that have happened to us, or stories, and I don't know how many times we've told those stories to each other. You know, they just come up, the same story, Hundreds of times that that happened to one of the kids or one of the kids said this or Jay said that and and we'll just quote it and you know what we do? We laugh every single time. I mean, even though we've heard it a hundred times, you know, we we still enjoy it and it's all in good fun and we're not making fun of each other. We're having a good time. You know, laughter and and being cheerful is good for us. Did you know that? Not, Not just in a group setting, but... As an individual, it's good for you to laugh. I read uh, Dr. Norman Cousins. He was on the medical staff at UCLA years ago. And, and in a, a book called The Anatomy of an Illness, he tells of, of the, this time that he was hospitalized with this rare and crippling connective tissue or disease. And I don't know all that that means, but this is how they described it. And he was diagnosed as incurable 
So he checked out of the hospital and he set himself up on this regimen of exercise and high doses of vitamin C. And then he added one more very unique prescription. Aware of the harmful effects that negative emotions can have on your body, he reasoned the reverse to be true. So he rented a movie projector and he prescribed his own treatment, which consisted of Marx Brothers and Three Stooges videos, old cartoons, and old candid camera reruns. Now, I mean, our family, one of the things that makes us laugh the most is America's Funniest Videos. You know, we could just laugh at people hurting themselves all day long, falling off this and fall. you know, those are... And that's what he did. He, he had... It didn't take long. He soon discovered that 10 minutes of hearty laughter provided two hours of pain-free sleep. Now, I'm not saying this works for everybody, but it did for him. Amazingly, his, this debilitating disease was eventually reversed. And after that account appeared in the New England Journal of Medicine, he received many letters from appreciative physicians throughout the world thanking him for that idea because most people don't realize how important it is to laugh and enjoy life. Now, again, I'm not saying that his regimen is a guaranteed cure, but his, his testimony is strikingly similar to something Solomon wrote in Proverbs 17 a few thousand years ago. And there's a connection between our outlook and our health. And we say, well, I don't get that. I don't see how that really could work. And the Bible says it. A merry heart. A merry heart doeth good like medicine. And it's not the only verse that, that Solomon points to this. Look at Proverbs 12. We're going to go just look at a few here. Proverbs chapter 12. It says in verse 25, Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Look at Proverbs 14.30. A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of bones. I've seen that before. Someone who, can't, who is envious of somebody else and it seems to eat them from the inside out. I'm sure you've seen that too. Proverbs 15.13. It says, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. Proverbs 15, 15, two, two verses later. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. So back to Proverbs 17, but based on these verses, I think it's pretty safe to say that a merry heart is good for us. It, it may not cure you of some rare disease, but according to the Bible, it works like medicine. Another safe assumption that we can make is this. There's no one with a better reason to have a merry heart than a child of God. So we're going to look tonight at Proverbs 17.22 and, and see why it's important to have a merry heart and then be reminded that we as Christians ought to have a merry heart. So this is simple, just simple concepts tonight. And, and we're going to go through and just explain a few things and then make application and probably have a second part next week. But a merry heart, what does that mean? Well, merry heart is a genuine joyfulness of the soul. It's an inward joyfulness or an inward cheer or happiness. It's a, a cheerful outlook. Uh, you ever met somebody who always sees the glasses half full? And sometimes it drives you crazy that somebody can be that optimistic. 
Well, that's, this is a merry heart, a cheerful outlook. It means it's somebody that's content in every circumstance. Of course, contentment's been on my mind lately as I'm preaching through it on Sunday mornings. Uh, people that are just content, as, even if it's a tough situation, even if they have a hardship, it just seems like they're always content with what, with what they've got and where they're at. People that are, uh, a merry heart is someone who's patient in a trial. Just trusting that God will take care. A merry heart is someone that's patient with people, which is a struggle sometimes for some of us. A merry heart is somebody that's slow to anger. When you have a merry heart, that means you have a pleasant countenance. You're quick to smile. You have an approachable look. We, we already read the verse in Matthew, I'm sorry, Proverbs 15, 13. It says, a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. You know, and, and I think we probably undervalue how important it is to have a cheerful countenance sometimes. You know, we ought to, as God's people, if, we, if it follows that a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, and we don't have a cheerful countenance, what does that say about our heart? Now, I'm not saying that, that if you naturally, your face just kind of rests in a position that does not look approachable, I'm sorry about that. It just means you've got to work a little bit harder. That was a very diplomatic way to say that, wasn't it? It means you have to work harder. We tell our kids that, our girls. So, I mean, and, and we know they're, they're not thinking about it, and, and they're, they may not be uh, even upset, but, but you have to consider your countenance. It's funny, everyone, I mean, so many people are smiling right now. I need to te- teach about countenance more often, man. This is making me feel good. A merry heart, make it a cheerful countenance. Your countenance is a window into how happy and how merry and how joyful you are. So let's be people with approachable countenances. You know, I think about that on Sundays when, when people walk in and they, maybe they're not members or maybe they've never been here before. And I don't know, there may not be a more Im, important thing to remember than our countenance when we're sitting in church or when, we're, when they're walking in. Would, would they want to approach someone with the countenance, with the look that is on our face? I think it's important for us to be quick to smile at people. To have this approachable look. When you have a merry heart, not only do you have an approachable look or a pleasant countenance, but you use kind words. Proverbs 15, 23, it says, A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season. How good is it? I think we also undervalue the importance or the help that our words provide for other people that may be struggling with something. A merry heart also has an attitude of gratefulness. In James, in the book of James, James 5.13, it says, Is any merry? Let him sing song, psalms. If you have a merry heart, so that shows me there's a connection. If, is any merry? Let him sing, sing psalms. It means that if you have a merry heart, a genuine joyfulness, that it won't be a struggle for you to open a hymnal and sing when we start singing the congregationals. There's a connection between having a merry heart and singing psalms or expressing gratitude. So a merry heart, that's what it means, it doeth good like a medicine. A merry heart can benefit a person like medicine can. And Solomon made a point that science has given evidence to over and over again. There's a strong connection between, between one's attitude and their physical condition. And that should be important to us because we serve our God with our bodies. 
Not, maybe sometimes we undervalue how important it is um, to, have a, to be in a certain physical condition, and it's not easy. I, know, I understand that. I know that. But we ought to be careful to make sure that our, the condition of our bodies is, is, a viable, uh, is a viable vessel we use for God's service. The condition of our bodies affects our service. And when I consider that, it makes having a merry heart all the more significant because having a merry heart affects my body. My body affects how, how effective I am in serving God. Not only does it reflect the right kind of Christian spirit, it's good for us. So why a merry heart is important for a Christian, I think we've already kind of covered, but first, it has physical benefits. A merry heart doeth good like medicine. And that word medicine, it means a cure. It means healing. And it seems strange, but again, there's science to back this up. The term merry heart is not just about laughter, as we'll see in a little bit. Laughter isn't the long-term solution to real problems, but you've probably heard the phrase before, laughter is the best, the best medicine, right? I read some research from two doctors at Loma Linda University there in Southern California, and they came to this conclusion about laughter. They said laughter lowers your blood pressure. Laughter reduces stress hormone levels. Laughter improves your heart health. Laughter boosts your T-cells, which is your immune system in helping you fight sickness. Laughter triggers the, res- the release of endorphins, which is body's, the body's painkiller. And I, listen, I'm not a doctor uh, at all, and I don't even know if I understand everything I just said. But that sounds like medicine to me. Solomon was on to something through the Holy Spirit's inspiration. There's a relationship between our outlook and our physical health. Health, it can have the same positive effects that medicine can. And just so you know, this is not a health and wealth message. You've probably heard that, uh, health and wealth, health and wealth, health and wealth, health and wealth message is what I was trying to say. Health and wealth message. I'm not saying that you can heal yourself with a positive mindset, but I am pointing out a very clear truth from Solomon that our attitude affects us. Physically. So why a merry heart is important for a Christian? Well, because it has physical benefits. But second, it, it's, when it's absent, it, effect, it affects our health negatively. So it has physical benefits when we have it, but when it's not there, the opposite affects us negatively. The word broken spirit, it's the opposite of a merry heart. You've probably been around people that have a broken spirit. And they seem, and when someone has a broken spirit, they have lost all hope. A broken spirit, broken means stricken, it means wounded, not physically, but in their spirit. And the spirit is the life of man, the part of man that you can't physically see, but that part of man that makes them a person. And when someone has a broken spirit or a wounded heart, they're downcast in their countenance. If we can assume that a merry heart um, then has a positive effect on a countenance, then you should then probably assume that someone with a downcast countenance uh, has a broken spirit. They don't have a merry heart. When someone has a broken spirit or a wounded heart, um, they, they are angry often. When someone has a broken spirit, they're suffering from what today they would call depression. When someone has a downcast or broken spirit, they have a pessimistic Outlook, they're moody, they, they are reactionary. 
A broken spirit, it says, dryeth the bones. And that means to take away a person's strength. It dryeth the bones. A dry bone is not a healthy, strong bone. A broken spirit just sucks the life out of a person. The latest statistics, and I, I mean, I looked it up just this afternoon, and, and I've seen this statistic for a while, but it says that 75 to 90% of all doctor visits now are for stress-related complaints. 75 to 90% of all doctor visits are related to stress. Stress plays a, a, a part in problems like headaches and high blood pressure and heart problems and diabetes and skin conditions, asthma, arthritis, anxiety. I mean, things that we probably, some in here, may deal with or you know people that deal with these things. Our minds and our emotions have a physical impact on us and it can be positive or it can be negative. Uh, when, if you have a certain emotion Um, If you have a a certain thought or emotion of joy, what does your body automatically do if something strikes you as joyful? You smile. You know, I I was looking at, I think it was Clancy um, Torberson last week, and it's not hard to make him smile. He's a smile little guy. And I was looking at him, and, and, you know, if, if I was him and seeing these, giant heads coming at me, making strange faces. I'd be laughing too. But I was down there just making faces at him, and he was just smiling. You know, nobody taught Clancy how to smile. It's a natural response in his body. Nobody taught him that when something makes you happy or something strikes you funny or something causes some joy, nobody taught him to smile. It's a, it's a natural reaction in his body. Uh, when, when, something, when you find something to be funny, what is a general reaction to that? You laugh. Nobody has to teach a baby when they're young and they start laughing. No one has to teach them how to laugh. They just laugh. Our bodies, our emotions have a physical reaction. When you're excited about something, you, you yell or you... Yeah, Christopher, thank you for that fine example tonight. When you're excited about something, uh, you, you respond by yelling or you respond by standing up. If you've ever watched um, a, a, a basketball game or a football game and something good happens for your team, nobody taught the, 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 those people in that stadium, no one said before, okay, listen, if something good happens, if they score a touchdown... Here's what you're supposed to do. Here's a demonstration. And here it is. You stand up and put your arms in the air and you yell and give each other high fives and have a good time. No one had to demonstrate that, right? It's just natural when something happens. It's amazing how synchronized a stadium of people is when something good happens. It's like they're all attached to a string and they all stand up at the same time. I mean, it's nobody taught them how to do that. Our bodies have a... Physical reaction, and it can be positive, but also we have reactions to certain emotions physically that are negative as well. When, we're, when you're afraid, what, it, what happens? You can answer. If you're afraid, what are the, some of the things that happen when you're afraid? You're not, scream? Okay. What else? What happens when you're afraid? You jump? Okay. What's that? Oh, cringe, 
Have you, had, you ever had something that's, that made you afraid and the hair on the back of your neck stands up? Or you get, I don't know what you call them. What do you call them? Goosebumps, okay. I'll go with that. People call them some weird stuff, okay. Goosebumps. Yeah, if you, you get afraid, what happens with your heart when you get afraid? It start, mine does. It starts to race. You know, if you get scared, you this adrenaline goes through your body and, and your heart races. If you get angry... What happens when you get angry? You yell? What else? You ever seen somebody really angry? What, what happens to their face? It turns red, bright red. Here's my, here's my I'm just going to tell you, we're transparent, we're part of the family. When, I, when I'm not feeling very comfortable, my ears get bright red. So you've probably noticed it already, it's okay. Um, but that's my, that's my tell, okay? And so if I'm nervous or if something is, I don't know, my ears, I don't know what it is. It's like Rudolph, except on the side of my head. So it's embarrassing. When, you, when something strikes you as sad or you're grieving, what do you do? Typically, you cry. If you're nervous or anxious about something, what happens? What, what happens to you? What? You throw up, she says. I'm glad that doesn't happen to me every time I get nervous, or else we'd be, have some interesting services. What happens to you when you're anxious? I don't know if this happens to you. My palms get sweaty. I get hot. Face turns red. I start to sweat. I mean, that's, those are all things. Some people, when they get anxious or nervous or overwhelmed, they pass out. Those are, that's always interesting. Somebody gets embarrassed, again, their face gets red. If you get embarrassed, what do you do? You cry. If you get embarrassed, some people laugh. Uncontrol- I don't know, I don't understand that one, but they do. You feel guilty. If you're convicted about something, what, I mean, what happens? I mean, your stomach hurts or your chest is heavy. You have, I, I mean, if you're high stress, you've, you've got your blood pressure rises, heart disease, I mean, we can all relate to those things. It's no secret that our mind and our feelings, our emotions affect our bodies. We don't have to tell our bodies to have these reactions. Most of these aren't harmful in themselves, and they're short-term and short-lived, but they're natural responses. The problem is, the problem is that many people now live in constant states of anger. And so the reactions that you have when you're angry that are supposed to be short-term, usually, now you live there. And that's where it starts to get negative. And, and many people live in constant states of fear or anxiety. And as you do, when you live there, what was supposed to be short, a short-term reaction, just a natural reaction on our body, then starts to affect you adversely. When you live in a constant state of stress, there are long-term side effects if you stay in that condition. Spiritual problems affect us emotionally. Spiritual problems. When we aren't spiritually what we're supposed to do, it affects us emotionally. It affects us physically. When I'm convicted and my heart is heavy and I feel like God is squeezing on my chest, it's all I can do to just function. I've, I, I, I don't know how, if this is that way for you, but there are plenty of times if I'm convicted about something, I don't even know what it is, but I can't do anything else until I stop and get on my knees and I pray and say, God, please, 
whatever you're convicting me about, whatever you're telling me about right now, please make me aware of it. I, don't want, I, I can't hardly move on if I don't know, Lord, please. I don't know if anybody has, else has those kind of reactions, but sometimes if I'm convicted or, or, or something, if I, don't get, if I don't ask the Lord to help me with it, if I stayed in that condition, I could see how it would affect my long-term health. You ever done something wrong and it weighed on you to the point that you had no appetite? You ever been so burdened about something that you just, uh, you know, some some people are like, no, I don't know what that's, what are you talking about? If I I do something wrong, I just want to go to the buffet, pizza ranch, here we come. You ever uh, felt so burdened about something that you didn't have any energy, you couldn't hardly stand up? It felt terrible about something. It felt bad about something. And so you develop an ulcer. And people do all the time. A broken spirit dryeth the bones. When we have a stricken conscience or a hopeless outlook and we don't see how it's going to end, it makes us sick. It's like drinking poison. Matthew Henry said, The sorrows of the mind often contribute very much to the sickliness of the body. And that was before modern medicine when Matthew Henry wrote that. We live in this culture that promotes health and it's a good thing maintaining a good diet and getting plenty of exercise and being healthy. But we can be guilty of poor stewardship if we choose not to deal with anger. I mean, it has the same long-term effects as not taking care of your body. If If we're poor stewards of our body, if we don't deal with bitterness that's lingering, or if we don't... Ask God to help us overcome our fear or overcome our anxiety or overcome our worry because if we stay in those conditions, and by those conditions I mean if we stay in a sinful frame of mind, it has very much the same negative physical effects as not taking good care of our bodies with exercise or with good diet. I mean, a merry heart is important for the child of God. It has physical benefits. And second, when it's absent, it affects our health negatively. But, and... Third, though, it's a reflection of our faith. The condition of your heart is a reflection of your walk with God. Two categories of happiness in this world. The world's happiness and God's happiness. And the world's happiness is something that you would see on a television ad or on a billboard. And it paints this picture of happiness. And all the advertisements are saying, come and do what we do and you'll have a great time. And what are they usually holding in their hands? They're, they're holding alcohol or, you know, they're partying and they're saying, come and do what we're doing. You'll have a great time. Uh, they're smiling, they're laughing, they're joking around. And it, it can seem appealing, but consider that happiness. It's not rooted in anything real or permanent. It's a diversion. It is there to make them forget their condition or their state. Proverbs fourteen thirteen. Let's go to it. Let's look at it. Proverbs 14, 13, just a couple of pages back. It says, even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful. Verse 14, 13, even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful. And the end of that mirth is what? It's heaviness. So this is not a contradiction to the things we've looked at so far for two reasons. The context of these verses 
The tone here is already negative. He just said two verses, be, or the verse before, it says, there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So he's talking already about somebody um, who's doing his own thing and rebelling against God. Verse 14 says, the backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. Uh, Solomon's not talking about positive things right here. He's talking about a man who wants to do his own thing apart from God and it leads to death. And then in verse 14, he's talking about a backslider. So in verse 13, he's talking about somebody who's rebelling against God and backsliding against God. But they've got laughter and they've got lots of fun and they're, they're loud about how much fun they're having. But the context lets us know that this is empty laughter. It says this, is, this kind of laughter makes your heart sorrowful. This kind of laughter, the end of this kind of mirth, is heaviness. I mean, laughter has benefits, but if you're dealing with ways that seem right to a man, or you're backsliding against God, laughter doesn't solve your problems. If you're not right with God, if you're backsliding against God, laughter is a diversion from the real problem. And in spite of all the benefits, the Bible doesn't say that laughter is the best medicine. You know, we might think it does because we hear that a lot, but it says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. It's not about laughter, it's about a merry heart. And people often put the cart before the horse when it, by assuming that all you need, all you need is more laughter. If you'll just laugh and you'll have more fun, it'll, it, you, then it will solve your problems. No, laughter may provide short-term relief, but according to Proverbs 14, 13, it doesn't alleviate your real problem if you're not right with God. I mean, if a man's sin is not dealt with, laughter will someday, the end of that mirth, he says, is heaviness. Ecclesiastes 2.2, 2, uh, the writer says, I said of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth, what doeth it? I mean, laughter alone does not solve problems. What will solve your ills is being right with God, which leads to a merry heart, which leads to laughter and other signs of a merry heart. So I hope you understand, I'm not contradicting what I started with in that laughter and fellowship and good times with each other is a result of people being right with God. It doesn't cover up somebody who's backsliding. It doesn't cover up somebody whose heart is not right. It is a result of people being right with God. Charles Bridges, in his Proverbs commentary, said this. Many a sigh is, and pay attention, this is, uh, it's wordy, but I think it'll be, it'll be a help. Many a sigh is heaved amid the loud laughter of folly. You ever met somebody who laughed all the time, had a great time, was just living life, but when you were watching them on their own, you could see the burden. Many a sigh is heaved among the loud laughter of folly. As soon might true joy be found, and and he's quoting about the place, as soon might true joy be found in hell as in the carnal heart. As soon might the tempest-tossed ocean be at rest as the sinner's conscience. He may feast in his prison or dance in his chains. He may drink away his trouble, but it is a vain show of happiness. Ask him what is in his bosom. Is not his smile a counterfeit to hide a reality of woe? If he has found a diversion from present trouble, has he found a cover from everlasting misery? It is far easier to drown conviction than to escape damnation. 
For those that have ever struggled with addiction and you know people that have, then you know that to be true. It is far easier to drown conviction than to escape damnation. I think about Luke 15, the prodigal son. Contrast his mirth in the far country with all of his friends. You can see it. He was having a grand old time and everybody was happy. But when he returned to his father's house, they began to be merry. The fruit of carnal mirth is heaviness. It will lead you to eating with the pigs. The fruit, though, of restoration is real mirth. Because a relationship restored to the Father has been reestablished. The world's happiness is nothing but a diversion. And we can also fall into that trap, though. We, we can manufacture these signs of cheerfulness and laughter and all the while, though, concealing a broken spirit. And it is a heart problem. And it can only be fixed with your relationship with God the Father. If you're a child of God and your heart is not merry, don't look to the world and their methods to fix a problem that only God can help you with. Young people especially need to hear this. The world's fun is temporary. And we could go, I mean, how many of us could stand up and give testament to that? The world says, look how much fun this is. Come and have this mirth. But the end of that kind of mirth, young people, it's heaviness. And it may be fun in the moment and it may gain you some friends and make you popular in the moment. But listen, the end of it, it is a temporary happiness. The end of it will lead to heaviness. It's a distraction. You can try to hide a heart that isn't merry by drowning it out with the world's mirth and laughter. But masks don't hide who we are from God. He sees the heart. So we're better off to make things right and be real than we are to continue to wear the mask of fake happiness. So do you have a merry heart? And I'm going to finish up next week. We're going to kind of follow up with this. But do you have a merry heart? Or, or are you, have you learned how to wear masks to hide the lack of mirth or are you trying to find uh, your happiness in temporary fixes? Or are you drowning conviction by a diversion? Well, I don't know if any of this describes you tonight, but I would pray that this season that you'd be much more interested in God giving you a merry heart than you are just wishing other people a merry Christmas. Because a merry heart is a permanent gift from God, and Merry Christmas will be gone in a few weeks, but you'll be left with the heart you have right now. I'm going to encourage you to, at Christmas time, the best gift you could give yourself and give God is a restored relationship and true joy inside. And of all times of the year, we ought to have it this time of year. True Merry Heart. I hope you have it. Let's pray. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.